Hi, everyone. My name is Tony Wong. Um, I just wanted to, first of all, thank you again for coming and all those, all those online viewers as well. The first filmmaker, um, Bianca Cadbegan, is a Filipino director and photographer based in Los Angeles. She heads development at the independent film collective Indie Pop Films. Her screenplay, 2AM in Tokyo, has been chosen as one of the projects for the Torino Film Lab's next feature program. She was a cinematography fellow at the Chanel Times BIFF Asian Film Academy and a participant at the Reykjavik International Film Festival's Talent Lab, where her film was nominated for a golden egg. She won a production grant from the inaugural Cinematographo Film Festival, where her film premiered as a festival centerpiece, screening to a sold-out audience right here in San Francisco. She was most recently the audio series and originals coordinator of the Gotham Film and Media Institute. The second filmmaker is Emily Tira, who is a Thai Chinese writer-director born and raised in Bangkok, Thailand. She graduated from Hillman Grad's Writing Mentorship Lab, led by Lena Waith as one of their Our, Our Drama Writers. Earlier this year, Emily wrapped production on her short film, Soul Food, which we will soon see, a Thai language film about loss and reconciliation starring Praya Lundberg that premiered at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival in spring 2023. As a self-identified third culture kid, Emily's drawn to telling stories about identity and miscommunication between generations and cultures. Uh, our third filmmaker, Megan Huang, who unfortunately, due to an emergency, can't be here. Um, Megan is a writer-director who has written on shows such as Counterpart on Stars, Shogun on FX, and The Sympathizer, soon to be released on Max. She's currently writing Necrocosm for 824 and director Panos Cosmatos, known for films such as Mandy, starring Nick Cage. Her short film, In Full Bloom, premiered on Short of the Week, and she has also directed music videos for artists such as Mitski, Hannah Vu, Vagabond, and Charlie Bliss. And last but not least, we have Soma Helmi. Born to an Indonesian father and a Polish mother, Soma, a Bali native, began her career as, as an art director for J. Walter Thompson in Jakarta, and later worked as a creative consultant for Catherine Hardwick. Her work has screened at Sundance, Outfest, and Holly Shorts, among many others. She is a 2021 Paramount Viewfinders Director Program Fellow, 2021 Cape List Writer, and is currently creating a TV series in Jakarta, which she will also direct. And without further ado, here are the films. What? Oh, sorry. Um, I must have pressed the wrong button. I, I'm looking for 605. This is 605. Stop buzzing and leave me alone. Hi, I'm Tony. I don't know if Mr. Santos had forgotten, but we have a repair scheduled for 5 p.m. Oh, 
รับเลยข้าวไหมคะอร่อยไหมคะโอเคค่ะอร่อยค่ะขอบคุณค่ะแม่เห็นไหมเขาบอกอร่อยมาแล้วค่ะเส้นเล็กสองอ้าวเส้นใหญ่อ่ะไม่ใช่เส้นเล็กหรอเส้นใหญ่โอ้มาลายออเดอร์พีดวางวางไว้ยังไงล่ะคนคนละออเดอร์อ่ะไม่เลยจะทำเองเอาไม่เลยมาไม่ต้องบ่นไม่ต้องบ่นต้องมาทุกคนมาเลยทุกคนมาตลอดเวลาตลอดเลยคนนี้อะไรเอารู้ว่าโอเคตั้งใจตั้งใจพอนะแม่วันนี้นะเนี่ยอ่ะเราจะดูสิจะลอยไปเรียบสาวทำเองตะเกียบตะเกียบเกี่ยวกับYou guys, uh, another round of applause for our lovely filmmakers, Soma, Emily, and Bianca, wherever you are, and also out there, Megan. Hope you're everything's okay. Um, yeah, so we're just going to bring them on stage, Emily and Bianca and Soma. So I just wanted to also start off, and I forgive me. Um, I wanted to really thank Michelle Miao, who's overseeing the online viewers right now. Um, this is being live streamed, and Michelle Miao of the Michelle Miao Show at the Commonwealth Club. She has been a great help in setting this up, and also our friend um, Priscilla Lim of J.P. Morgan, who has brought this whole thing together as well, um, along with our community partners. Uh, Center for Asian American Media, CAM, yay, and in LA, Cape Coalition of Asian Pacifics and Entertainment. Um, anyway, so we have 
Bianca Kagbegan here for Apartment 605, and Emily Tira of Soul Food, and Soma Helmi of Full Service. And I, I know, talked about their background a little bit, but I just wanted to throw it out there and ask the question of where did the idea of these projects, these short stories, come from? And maybe we can start with... Yeah. yeah, I'll start. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you so much for coming tonight. I really appreciate it. And it's a Tuesday night. Um, so I appreciate you guys coming. Uh, my name is Bianca. I'm a Filipino filmmaker and I grew up in the Philippines. And this film came about because I watched this animated film called I Lost My Body. And there was a short section there where it was about a pizza driver who was delivering a pizza to a woman upstairs. And he was late. And he was trying to deliver it. And he was having this conversation with her all over the intercom for like that whole scene. And it meant so much. Like you didn't see anyone else's face except his. And it was just a, such a meaningful thing that I was like, maybe that's something I can try to try in like my films. Because it was like in a small place with like one actor or two actors. And so Apartment 605 came about. Great. Emily? Um, I actually wrote this as a short story that was an exploration of my like earliest childhood memory that was of me as a two-year-old at my grandma's funeral. So that was like the inspiration for the beginning scene of the movie. And then I think through just writing it as a script and exploring the theme of like grief a little bit more, I kind of realized I'm not that little girl anymore. I'm not learning about life and death because the initial story was about that. I'm quite sadly familiar with grief and I wanted to explore the nuances of like what does it mean to say goodbye to someone who you love deeply but who has also hurt you deeply like how does that how does that go so I aged a little girl up and then I aged a grandma down to a mom and my mom's alive um so everyone is always like kind of holding their breath when I'm saying this but no she's good um but just kind of posing more of a question of like if you get a second chance with someone that you didn't quite properly got to say goodbye to, how would, how would closure look, right? And in this dynamic, I'm kind of thinking about if I lose my mom, like how would that look? So that was kind of the inspiration for the story. And I, um, I'm born and raised in Thailand, so a lot of the cultural references are um, very Thai, but also Thai Chinese, because I have like a lot of Chinese heritage in my family. That's just kind of like the amalgamation of both my heritage in this like world building. Um, so I had written this short a few years ago in a slightly different form to what you see now. It was just kind of more of just a party scene. And I was talking to my friends. I have a group of Indonesian friends who live in L.A. and uh, a couple who are in Jakarta, and we WhatsApp all the time, and we were kind of sharing stories about, like, wedding party stories. And we were talking about our aunties, and just, I think, like, everybody could identify, and everybody had war stories and, like, just, you know, these terrible stories of their aunties embarrassing them at weddings. Um, so that conversation just like grew into something bigger and um, the CAPE had this incredible chance for last year for the, um, they have their showcase that's presented by Janet Yang and um, by Julia Gao. And when that opened up, I thought I should sharpen the script and it came into the form it is when I submitted to that showcase. 
That's wonderful. And I feel like um, in different ways, you know, Emily and yeah, you were tackling similar things and it's relationships, but also then we have Soma. Also <laughs> then we have interesting family. Good, good palate cleanse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, I, I wanted to ask also just for other creatives and filmmakers in the audience, um, what were, would you say, some of the challenges in the production of these three projects? Should I start? Yes. Or should, uh... Sure. Well, let's go oh, with okay. Soma. Challenges. Um, well, first of all, I knew I wanted an all Indonesian or Indonesian American cast. That was the biggest challenge. Uh, there's, I didn't know of many in LA, um, you know, so... I thankfully got an incredible casting director who helped me, Christian, and the things he had to do, like he, he went to churches and he actually cast on street and like went to parties. And because like I knew, you know, like I said, not many actors and the, everyone had to be Indonesian. So he he did that and we did this incredible drive online and we had people reading from New York and from Vancouver and it was just like started as a challenge and it turned into this incredible community building exercise because so many people didn't realize that they were in the same community. We, we found all these incredible Indonesian filmmakers and actors all over America, but also in LA that we didn't know, you know, each other existed. And um, it was really beautiful. And I, I guess, you know, the other challenge was <laughs> I had written a... <laughs> a wedding or a reception scene and that's always really hard on a budget if anyone makes small films and I was always cursing when we started prepping I was like how am I going to do this but we we actually got the Indonesian community out to be background and it was they were all excited I think like I said it started as a challenge but then people just showed up and someone flew down from San Francisco and someone flew in from New York just to have the opportunity to work on an Indonesian project I think that was really cool. Um, yeah, casting. I think casting for a group of diaspora in America is hard. Um, that was also one of our biggest challenges. Our The woman who plays the mom is, this is her first time acting, which I think everyone is always surprised about because she's just incredible. Um, also went to churches, temples, Thai restaurants, handing out flyers. Um, but I, I think what like takes the cake for you know, the hardest thing on this production was the actual physical production. Um, the scale was so big and we knew it was big. We didn't know it was like that big until we got on set. We're like, oh, this is massive. Um, the temple scene and the forest scene outside of the temple, like that was CGI. Like we had to shoot in Calabasas for like the walking into the, into the forest scene and then at Thai, Wat Thai in North Hollywood. And when we were shooting in Calabasas, we had this haze machine going and, you know, LA is like known for wildfires. <laughs> so as we were just like running through takes after take, we just like slowly hear a helicopter circling around us. And we're like, oh, <laughs> I looked up and I was like, we need to make sure people don't think that there's a fire going on right now and that water will be dumped on us. So I like task. Honestly, it was more on my my producer Haley than me I was just kind of like doing my thing but I turned to my producer and I was like you gotta make sure they don't dump water on us I don't know how you're gonna do it but you gotta do it and she's like okay is she like 
assembled this line of her and like PAs on the highway to stop every single car and tell them it's not a fire and that we're shooting a movie <laughs> for like hours. They were just doing that. And then I was just like, there was a lot of miscommunication because like the haze, the forest was very big. So we had the haze machine going everywhere. And like me and my DP and like the set, we're like shooting over here. And the guy who's controlling the haze machine is like all the way down the hill. And we're like, turn off the haze. And he's like, on? I'm like, no, off. He's like, oh, he just kept it on. And we're like, oh my God. And like we just had like a runner just going back and forth to like turn it on and off. So that was really nerve wracking. I think that was like the hardest thing to accomplish, but we did it. <laughs> and didn't get rain on, so yeah. You'd think a smaller production would be easier because you guys seem to have a like, bigger production, but it had like a small set. So it was like maybe about 10 people in one like location. And I think the difficult thing for me was like, how do you make like these two locations interesting all throughout? Because we had two people in two separate places and it was like, you know, a small crew and I had like a contained place like downstairs and upstairs. But to me, the biggest challenge was like, you know, they're just talking. They're not even in the same room. How do you like make it interesting? And so like even in pre-production, we were like studying like the place. Like we shot in my partner's place, like Drea, the cinematographer, who's also here. And even before that, prep was so much about like, how do you plan these shots so that as you like tell the story, it you keep people's attention. And to me, that was like difficult along with like, we shot with like a very small crew right before Christmas, like the day after I was going to lose everybody. People were like leaving for different like cities and like someone's family was visiting and it was now or never. So I had like that one day, the sun was going to set at 4 p.m. The whole thing was like in the day. And so if I didn't get it in like eight hours, I wasn't going to get it ever. And I was going to lose everybody. And <laughs> as you guys said, we did it. Yes, I, I can tell. And it's amazing that all of these things, just with all the challenges and you guys, I'm sure, being MacGyvers and problem solvers nonstop. <laughs> and here we are. Um, what would you say um, the favorite part of making this project was? Emily? Oh, um, well, that's a really hard question. I will say, I think... My favorite part, the part that I keep thinking back to was when I did like a, a chemistry rehearsal between the mom and the daughter. I wasn't sure yet if I was going to cast the mom, but she was like a top contender for that role. And I think what really sold me on her was when we did this chemistry test at my producer's house, I was just like, so I wrote the script in English, um, partly because the final draft doesn't support Thai characters. So I kind of, and most of my cast and crew would be English speaker. So I was like, I, I'll do English first and then I'll translate later. And so I, in the fight scene, I lined, I outlined like an arc of an argument. Like this is how it's going to go. But I knew it wasn't going to be the final cut. And in rehearsal, I was like, okay, here, like you, you see the script. It's in English. I roughly translated to Thai. And I was like, here's the arc. You're going to start with a miscommunication. It's going to boil. And then she's going to snap. And then go from there. Like the tail end, I kind of left it to them to decide where it was going to go. And it got to the point where they rehearsed the scene without the script. It just, it just went. And I think when I saw their chemistry and like the, the nature of how they reacted to each other in this like moment of, without, this was like the first time they've met. I was just like, 
that's that's it. And I have I still have this like very very long video of them just yelling at each other. And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I still have it. Sometimes I look at it because that I think that was when the film came alive. Truly, I was like, this is this is the film, and. I had to like go apologize to my producer's neighbor because she's like, "Why are you guys yelling downstairs?" We're like, "Oh, we're rehearsing." But I think that was truly my favorite part. Um, yeah, I can go next. Um, I think my favorite part is like all the languages. I mean, like as you guys saw, like there were so many subtitles in different languages. Um, specifically for my film, our main character Elena. Um, they're French, Filipino, and they're living in America. And so it's like, we had three languages. Like, it's so fun to just be like, oh yeah, there's like French and like English and Tagalog. And like, that was fun for me because like, that's actually who they are. Like, um, Elena did grow up in Manila, but also did grow up speaking French mm -hmm. and is now living here in the US. And it's like, I just, in all our films also, just like seeing all these different languages, reading different subtitles and just like understanding different ways of thinking through language was like really exciting for me. Mm -hmm. For sure. Selma? Um, I think it goes back a little to what I was saying, the challenge and how that came about. But just seeing so many Indonesians come together after this short has been so incredible. It's like just this kind of 10 minute short, but from this we've created this incredible community it's who have found each other in in especially in LA and i never thought that just making a, a little short like this would do that like when some of the actors sent i don't know if you know this but sag rules uh you are not allowed to ask uh your ethnicity so my casting director said instead tell us your connection to indonesia because I needed people who could speak Indonesian, as you can see, because, you know, it was part of the dialogue. And people were sending in these tapes and then they would have this moment at the end where they had to explain their connection. And there were these tapes of some people were crying because they had never been given a script with Indonesian in it. And some people were so happy and joyful. It was just this gamut of emotions just from reading a short 10-page script. And I think that was... Probably one of the most beautiful things was the casting process, seeing all of that and then just seeing how this little film has just connected so many people and it's even reached home in Jakarta like, and now it's on Omeletto and it's just kind of blowing up this little project and it's really beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say that's the most beautiful part. I hope you guys also feel it is that, you know, for me too, hearing especially Southeast Asian languages is not a thing, you know, and for each of your projects, I know that, you know, the, some of the background and people coming together and it even brought us actually just some friends in LA to create a little collective. I, I am not Southeast Asian, but I'm proudly honorary and I really <laughs> think that it's actually really important because a lot of the, you know, big projects that you see in Hollywood is, uh, you know, East Asian or South Asian or Korean. <laughs> um, and I wanted to actually ask you that segue to the next, how do you feel about, um, you know, representation as a Southeast Asian filmmaker um, doing things in Hollywood? That's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> Answer however you will. Short and Take sweet it away, Soma. <laughs> well, I think the obvious answer is there's not much representation. Um, I think everybody knows that. Um, 
I'm hopeful. I am hopeful that they will it will grow and that we will start seeing more. Um, it's. I think the the issue, or it's not the issue. It's it's just we're not represented. I think that's just the major thing. Is most people like probably would not have heard of any of these countries or the fact that we're miscast very often like whenever I hear Indonesian in a movie or a show it's always really cringeworthy because it's like a they're not speaking Indonesian um you know or they've got somebody who is trying to read lines in a different language but yeah I think the issue is that we're just not seen and hopefully the more we create these kind of projects the more that that gets pushed you know hopefully um i think my feelings about it are they're twofold um it is very scary to be like the first of your kind or like just being the first to you're, you're holding on to a lot of responsibility you're not just representing yourself you're representing everyone who looks like you and sounds like you and it's a it's a heavy burden but at the same time i'm very grateful to be doing that i think it's I'm proud to be doing that and it's not easy, but I'm, I, I can't help but feel like I should be honored, right? To be doing this for the people who are, you know, at home, didn't even feel like they could have the chance to see themselves on screen. Um, so I think it's complicated. I feel both things. Um, and I think that, you know, like I read the survey like a, an article recently that was kind of analyzing like viewership habits between millennials and Gen Zs. And millennials like gravitated towards like kind of Rags to Richard's story, like all those stories that we kind of grew up with in like the 2000s, 2010s, 90s. Um, and then what made me more hopeful about, you know, our break into Hollywood right now is that the new generation Gen Zs are gravitated towards stories that are other than themselves. They, they want to watch things that are not about them, not about their life. They're very open to, they're much more open to foreign films, foreign TV shows with the break of K-dramas, but not just K-drama. It's like, I was watching anime before it was cool, and now everyone's watching anime, right? But also, like, K-dramas, European films, like, it's, I think that that shift will aid all of us, and I'm, I'm hopeful about that. Um, I'm excited about it. I mean, like the fact that we all grew up in Asia and like are here in the U.S., like there's something to me about, you know, personally being Filipino and then coming here and seeing that like there's just a big divide between like how, let's say, Filipino Americans grew up and how Filipinos grew up and like bridging that and seeing where like we could see each other more is like exciting to me. And as like me, like, you know, queer Filipino girl living in the U.S., it's like, then how do I redefine what that looks like to other people? It's like, I'm fucked up too. I fuck up too. Like, I'm not the most perfect person on earth, but it's also like, I can show people that and I can define what that means. And that's like really exciting for us to like be making those definitions now. I think also what you said about defining, I think one of the issues is most people don't know what Southeast Asia is here. Uh, generalizing, I've, I've met a exec from a very large streamer recently at a mixer and I said to him you know you need more Southeast Asian content on your streaming like 
you'll know the name if you heard it. But, and he was like, what well, we do, we have a bunch of Southeast Asian content. And I was like, yeah, like what? And he's like, well, we have, you know, like Squid Game and we have, you know, Crash Landing on You. And I kind of looked at him <laughs> to see whether he was serious. This was an Asian American exec, by the way. And I said, wait, no, like Southeast Asia. And he said, yeah. And I said, no, Southeast Asia. He's like, and he looked at me and said, what's that? So I think that's one big problem that we need more exposure and education, I suppose, even in our own community. Yeah. And like just, you know, watching your film, Emily, I was like, wow, the values that we have that are just like all the same. It's yeah. Like, Ooh, dead parents and how we like connect. Oh, the collective them. trauma of dead parents. <laughs> but I keep thinking about like, why did we make something like that around the same year of just like connecting to like an important authority figure in that kind of like very meaningful way? And it's like nice to see all our films and to see like, I made a film before which people couldn't relate with, which was about like death and like how death was like so meaningful in my culture. And it was like, I felt so alienated because I felt like I had to explain so much of that. But then watching your film, it's like, oh, I get it. Like, of course it's about food. Of course it's about death and connecting in that kind of space. And it's like so nice to belong like mm. in that kind of like space together. Yeah. So it means a lot to me to like yeah. see your film. I, I think that a lot of people think that, well, the archaic way of thinking is that if you're too specific, then people won't get it, right? It's not for them. you got to be broad to be, you know, to reach a wider audience. But I think through this experience of even just making this film, which is extremely culturally specific, it's not just Thai, it's Thai Chinese. It's a very small ethnic group, well, in the world, but like in Thailand, it's a major ethnic group. That tradition and culture is so specific, but I think that the feedback I've gotten is just that the idea of saying goodbye to someone that you have a difficult relationship with is extremely universal. Like you, and I think that that's how we can really, you know, like push diversity forward. It's just like, make sure that we keep proving that specificity is universal. Like that specificity doesn't mean niche, Right. Like we're not just making you. We're. I don't think any of us is in the business of making a movie or content for you know an audience of ten. But we don't want to sacrifice our identity to reach a wide audience, and I don't think we have to in this age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I totally agree. I feel like that's. I love that you you each are very unique voices and lenses, and those stories are very much each of your own and. I feel like we need so much more of that and the whole specificity leading to universal is because we're human, you know, we're bound by the same emotions and families and stuff. Um, very quickly, um, what's next? What is exciting on the next frontier for you, Soma? <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, um, actually off the back of this short, I am co-creating and directing like you said, a surprise prize rom-com TV show in Jakarta. <laughs> um, it's eight episode hour long that I will be directing all the episodes and I start, uh, I go next month and I shoot in September. So that's pretty exciting because it's kind of like a big dream come true. And uh, full service is being developed into a feature. So that's also very cool. Yay! Yay! <laughs> More Indonesian content! Yay! <laughs> I just need to know what happens after. You know? I was like, wait. Everybody <laughs> wants to know. <laughs> it's only the, what, fourth largest country in the world. 
I don't know. Indonesian we'll takeover. <laughs> That's what we're hoping for. Um, I'm hoping that, so I'm doing the festival circuit right now for Soul Food. And I am hoping, I think everyone kind of has been asking me, like, is there a feature version of Soul Food? Um, I think that Soul Food is quite contained in itself and it, I'm happy about where it is. Um, I'm interested to, to explore the themes further, though. I think that the nuances of grief, I think there's more for me to kind of unpack and it might not be in the form of soul food, but that's something I've kind of been thinking about. Um, I'm hoping to kind of tee up a feature in the next couple of years, but that's in the works right now. Great. Um, this is actually the first time I screened this film and like publicly to an audience, I was terrified sitting down <laughs> and like feeling how people feel. But um, in a few weeks, I'm going to Vancouver to premiere this um, in the Vancouver Queer Film Festival. And then right after that, London for like the Fringe Queer uh, Film and Arts Fest. Excellent. Nice. More for the world to see. <laughs> um, I, we're sort of out short on time, but if anybody has a question or two, um, we can take a few. There's a mic here. Anybody in the audience? Or we can just chat after, too. Yes, or we can <laughs> chat after, too. Um, okay, well, thank you again. Thank you, Tony. Thank Bia, you, Tony. Bianca, Emily, and Soma, and also Megan out there in um, L.A. And thank you guys for coming, and thank you to the Commonwealth Club, and Michelle Miao, and Priscilla, Cape, Cam. Thank you so much, and we will be back for more in the future. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.